Hello, belated Happy New Year and welcome to the first Business Unmuted of 2022. We're back with a fresh look at the beginning there and looking forward to welcoming more excellent guests on the show over the next 12 months. As ever, Business Unmuted is sponsored by Virtu BMW, which is part of Gateshead-based Virtu Motors PLC. If you're in the market for a new used or fleet vehicle, its dealerships are in Stockton, Durham, Sunderland, Malton or York. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome to the studio today Mike Hughes, Business Editor of the Northern Echo. Uh, this is his latest business supplement. It's got uh, Shaq on the front page there, one of our previous guests on, uh, on uh, Business Unmuted. Also in the studio, uh, Sim Hall, Managing Director of Popular Select and Research. And down the line, we've got Jack Lattice, Managing Director of Lattice Health. We start the year, I suppose, on a positive note with lots of the opinion and optimism for business being reflected in surveys. A Deloitte survey found the financial offices of businesses are keener to invest in 2022 than any time since the credit crunch. But as we enter the third year of the pandemic, 20% of workers are still working from home. But the UK productivity per work has actually dropped this time by 0.6% below pre-COVID levels. Is it time to get back to the office? Well, let's start our discussion on that. Let's talk to you first, Sim Hall from Popular Selector. You obviously recruit people and you do a lot of research on the workplace. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on where we should be working now as the Omnicron variant maybe has tipped a bit? Yeah, certainly. I mean, working from home has obviously been a big focus in the last uh, two years. We've seen um, a lot of different changes. Um, you know, working on a, on a national basis as we do, um, we've seen that it does actually present opportunities um, for, for the region, um, where workers who have traditionally gone into, had to go into on a daily basis into, into the larger cities, now they're opening that up to um, spread the economic activity into, into uh, the outlying regions. So th there's opportunities there where employers are more open to consider um, remote working and more flexible working. So we've seen that obviously there's, a, there's an impact on local businesses that are uh, uh, with the less commuting time, with the less uh, goods and services being bought by commuters. But I think with the, the change um, that's, that, that's going on, people are adapting to become more productive now. So you feel, you feel positive about working from home. I feel very negative about it. Okay. I feel negative because I've got, I've got a good example. I can't name the client, but there's a big client that has lots of people working from home and getting some important decisions about a project has been very difficult because you have to ring them all up or send them each individual emails and they all pile in with different opinions on the emails. Yeah. And decision-making, we've noticed the people on the project has slowed down. And I also feel in, in our office where people have come in, but with lateral flow testing, if you don't have people in the same office, I suppose we're in a sort of media creative kind of environment, you can slow down the creative process. Mm. But I know that these two different differences of opinion uh, are quite pronounced, aren't they? Yes. You see uh, them everywhere in the workplace. Absolutely. And you know, the, the, probably the most marked difference between the service and the manufacturing engineering sectors, um, where the obviously the appetite from our clients in the manufacturing sector is uh, less so to have people working from home it's not possible but we do also have pharmaceutical businesses where they're adapting their working policies where their lab workers are ha having uh, the opportunity for more flexible working and that is promoting uh, retention in staff so so that's great from from our own personal point of view from from populace where the team was concerned we were set up from a technology point of view where people could work from home overnight almost and um, 
we're using Teams now. Um, I, I remember not too long ago, if you wanted to video conference with somebody, you needed some very expensive equipment, you needed a video conference suite perhaps, whereas now it's so accessible and, and companies more, are more inclined to, to, uh, to deal with people on a, on a Teams basis. We use it like a telephone call now with, with, from a Teams point of view, but we've also noticed our clients are more um, open to, to talk on uh, video conferencing Teams, uh, Zoom, uh, and we're winning more work on a wider basis. So. Yeah, I think that's right. And based in the north of England, as we both are, I'm finding we're winning work elsewhere in the country yeah. because the project work can be managed with a subcontract basis yeah. quite usefully. Let's bring in Jack Lattice from Lattice Health. Let's talk about the health dimensions of this. Uh, you heard what I said. I've got my team, it's only a small business hours, 14 staff or so, and everyone has to lateral flow test every day. And obviously, the, with the lateral flow test shortage, we might have subjected families to not having enough tests, so I went to the market and bought tests, um, rather than, so no one had to worry about running out of tests. Uh, what, what is your view on the, the actual health situation as it is now? The, the, there's a lot of talk about Omicron being defeated in Britain in due course. We might be the first through this pandemic. Yeah, I think, I think it's definitely the first um, significant um, light at the end of the tunnel where we've seen significant infection rates um, you know, over the 200,000 new infections per day, um, but we haven't seen the knock-on effect uh, into the hospitals and the death rates. So um, over the, the 24 months that we've lived with the pandemic, mm. I would say is the, the most positive sort of ray of light we've had so far. I think some of the independent SAGE commentators and even SAGE itself might have overstated its case before Christmas, it might be, but there's not been a lot of backpedalling on... Uh, on that, has there? Maybe uh, for all the difficulties you have had with parties, the government might just have called this one right. Yeah, I, I believe so. I think I think they prepared for the worst, which was always the right thing to do. But actually, um, with the the outcome of of Omicron over Christmas, um, pretty much, you know, the the infection rate was dramatic. It, you know, it was noticeable. It was. It, yeah. It was almost difficult to meet someone who hadn't had an infection or known someone with an infection over the Christmas period. But um, I actually think that's created a lot more optimism um, as people have come back to work. I think people feel a lot, a lot safer now that actually we are getting closer to this being a you know an endemic as opposed to a, um, a pandemic. Um, what, what is your view and, and what kind of things are your clients asking you about when it comes to workers returning and your business and how it can help them? Obviously, if people have COVID and they haven't had a test that's negative, you don't want them back in, in the workplace. But what about after effects, the long COVID uh, that people have experienced, particularly with Delta? Yeah, yeah. Well, long, long COVID is without doubt probably, um, you know, it's it, it's definitely one of the, the most significant issues that we're now dealing with as an occupational health company. Um, so one of the, the main uh, programs that we are now delivering in, into workplaces is supporting employees with long COVID. Um, if you know anybody with it, it is a uh, it does cause significant issues to them, and their uh, previous output is is now significantly reduced in some cases. Um, so I think um, alongside the the measures that we're putting in place to um, help businesses to continue to operate safely, um, working with COVID. Um, such as like you were saying, you know, it's, it's an absolute no-brainer now for all businesses to be pro providing daily lateral flow testing to their employees. Um, you know, that, that's what lateral flow test, it, testing is for. You know, it's for screening. 
um, and, and maybe in, in the past or throughout the pandemic, it's been incorrectly used where people have been using it for one-off diagnosis. Yeah. Um, as a company, we've always pushed people to, to use lateral flow testing for, for regular uh, testing, and that reduces the negative effect that you can get from any, um, any uh, difference in sensitivity of a lateral flow test when people say, oh, you know, they're not sensitive enough to pick up low infection rates, uh, sorry, low infections. Um, well, if you're testing regularly, then that doesn't become an issue because if at the point that someone becomes infectious to other people, a lateral flow test will detect that. Yeah, it certainly was not lost on me. Uh, by the way, I did this in uh, December 20 through to the spring of 21 or bought lateral flow tests. And when we first bought them, they were sort of £15 each mm. and they came <laughs> at three quid each. It's still quite expensive because we need quite a lot, several hundred. Sure. Uh, but it was uh, it was a very interesting thing. Mike, what, what's, your, what's your take on where the Omicron wave is and where the government messaging is? Do you feel that the government in England got this right, or am I just being a bit more <coughs> rosy, rose-tinted glasses on that? No, I, I sort of think it did, and we're we're still not quite sure. I suppose whether they sort of accidentally got it right, mm. uh, as we suggest, they were they were at a certain pitch of uh, alerting people and uh, attempting to put across the idea that they were in control and they sort of knew what was coming up. Uh, so they're at a certain level anyway, uh, and I think th there's there's a tricky balance here about the, the eagerness of people to want to get back to some level of normality, and then we have. The, the, the present situation where it seems to be that maybe this is here for a long time but that it's not causing really widespread in-depth damage as much as it did previously so people are thinking okay maybe this is the opportunity to start getting some normality back in my life and you're exactly right what we we're just talking about then that the the testing now it's a passport to meetings for me mm. you can mm. have meetings you can have a normal mm. life if you test that's what allows you to see your family it allows you to come to events uh, and occasions yeah. like this. I've got in the habit of keeping it in my pocket and flash, marking the date on it and flashing it yeah. up and registering it and showing people the text. Yeah. Um, look, we're going to talk about the general economy in a minute with both uh, all, all three of you. But before we do, Jack, you're a first time guest on Business Unmuted. Tell us about this business and how, how your business works for other firms. What do, what do your clients get and expect from you? So um, predominantly we are an occupational health company. So we supply occupational health and wellbeing services into businesses across the UK. Um, so that, that can be anything from health surveillance and annual medicals um, through to management referrals and, and advice on return to work. Um, and that, that's around sort of the occupational health and sort of statutory requirements. Um, but as a business, we're very much tech focused now. So we've got a big drive into um, delivering all of our services uh, digitally. So our, our mission as a company is to improve access to high quality healthcare, and we believe that digital health is, is the solution for that. Well, look, I, I hope your business goes from strength to strength. If anyone needs the support of a, 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 a occupational health business, particularly for smaller businesses that are growing where it's the first time you've had to deal with uh, this kind of matter relating to employees, then check out Jack's Curve. It's Lattus Health, L-A-T-U-S. That's right. Uh, check it out. We'll come back to you in a minute. We'll talk about some other things now, though. Uh, Mike, the regular business weekly that you do in the Northern Echo looks at the state of the economy in Teesside, Durham, North Yorkshire, uh, and it's, it's similar in, in Leeds and other parts of uh, Yorkshire as well. Hmm. What do you think the north of England, uh, what state do we enter the economy in for the new year? I think it's interesting that 
the, the quarters of the business year, I think, are, are more pronounced now than maybe they've, they've ever been. And be, because of what's been going on with the Omicron variant, there has been certain sections of the year where I think businesses are saying, right, we can't quite do anything then, but we'll build on what we can do in the next quarter. And as we were, you were saying with the, uh, the survey of the CFOs today, that there is a feeling now that possibly because of the way the Omicron has, has progressed and the stage that we feel at, this is the time now that we will feel confident to invest. Mm. I think there's been a, a very welcome, uh, huge wave of confidence across certainly across businesses in the Northeast, as I see from the people that I interview for the, for the supplement, that they're ready and they're, they're chomping at the bit to yeah. be given that go-ahead. And so what they're doing now is they're effectively giving themselves a go-ahead. We've been through it all, we've restructured, we've redirected as we've, as we've heard, now we're ready to progress. And they, they feel safe enough, Graham, to say, yes, this is the time, and of course, from a CFO's point of view, to be able to, to look ahead and think, I think we're going to be in a strong enough position in the next quarter to build on what we're doing now. I think that's absolutely right. But I'll just give this, this thought because, uh, I mean, you're in the newspaper business, so we're very interested in annual results and so on. Mm. And, and you've just given a very forward-looking view. But in the next few months, people will read in the newspapers annual results for the past. And it will create a sense of gloom. I've had two major clients, both sure. major northeast firms, whose annual results uh, are reported to Companies House. They trigger the media to report their annual results. And naturally, they've made uh, losses because of the pandemic. And it's a temptation for newspapers, or not just newspapers, but media as well, to report, oh, what a terrible time they had. But the forward-looking is the real picture. What are their plans? How are they restructured? Where are they going to invest? Yeah, I think and that's a challenge that I'd like to think that papers like the Northern Echo do rise to, in that we don't just go for those blatant headlines. A lot of my jobs, I've said before, is about translation. Mm. I would look at these very complex annual reports, spreadsheets and the like. You have to look deeply into that and explain to people who are really interested but think that maybe this is beyond them, this isn't something they need to know. Because, mm. so, yeah, this is really important. Why this firm made a loss, why it made a profit, what its plans are, what the comments are. It's important for the region to understand that so that you can understand how these businesses come out of that phase mm. and what their growth plans are because that's the jobs and the investment that's yeah. going to be coming up. It's not just a matter of looking at that headline figure. You, you have to go beyond it in my business. Absolutely. And also bear in mind that although you might have made a revenue profit there has been asset growth particularly in the north of England where assets were weaker anyway absolutely I mean we're, st we're sat in an office building in Darlington re recording and transmitting this program this building's value went up last year and it's not reflected necessarily in the P&L yeah just just needs that little bit of explanation of thing yeah, and that, that's, that's right. why that's again that's why regional papers who, whose heart is in the place mm. that they cover that's where they're important because they will look at those sort of stats and say that's why it's important what graham rob's business is doing now yeah yeah okay well let's let's look at uh, the you can't be more forward looking than recruiting uh and you're busy aren't you people are, are phoning you up asking for uh, recruits. Now, I know, uh, Sim, you generally deal with the higher level and specialist level recruit, but can you give us a view on the general employment market and where you see it at the moment? Certainly. Um, well, <clears throat> Mike mentioned the planning that's been going on, and, and, and that's what we've seen. We've been busy right the way through the last two years. We're recruiting ourselves, for, so I'm, I'm looking for, t for, for new team members, um, which I think is a, is, a, is a comment enough on the activity that's going on. We're seeing from a, 
an international basis. We've got international clients, we've got national clients, we've got local clients. Internationally, I was talking to uh, one of our mainland Europe clients today about expanding their operations in the US. Um, uh, nationally, we talked about the uh, Deloitte piece that, that, that looked into. I think it was 75% of CFOs polled saw 22 and onwards as, a, as really positive from, a, from an upturn point of view, which is fantastic. Locally, um, or regionally, I should say, is uh, we're seeing it across all sectors. Um, we work in the pharmaceutical sector, and yes, we're looking at specialist people, specialist scientists, engineers, and also business leaders, and you would expect it to be busy in, in, in the pharma sector for, for obvious reasons. However, we work across the chemical sector, we're seeing that very busy. Um, one business I was with last week, they're expanding their operations in Billingham. So, you know, th there's a lot going on there, but even more traditional heavy industry type uh, 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 businesses, um, uh, I'm thinking of a couple in particular that are in fabrication and, and machining. There too, are, we're hiring for senior level talent for them, business leaders in fact for them, to come out of this uh, in a positive way. Okay, let's, we're going to come back to you on this narrative on, on, on recruitment in a minute, but let's go to Jack, because I know that, Jack, you run a relatively small and new business, don't you? Uh, are you growing? Do you relatively, intend to yeah. hire anyone next next year, this year? Yeah, we're, we're currently on a, a big um, recruitment drive. What kind of people um, are so you looking for? So we currently have about 85 employees, right? Um, 34 of which are full-time, and the rest are on um, sort of clinical staff contracts where they, they get paid when they, they do um, deliver clinics. Um, but we would probably expect, based on our current order book for work over the next 18 months, to um, have to probably double that. Obviously, um, the majority of those are clinical uh, roles, so mm -hmm. that's health technicians, nurses, uh, some more GPs, physios, got a big drive into um, needing more physios. Uh, but obviously, like all companies, we are looking to um, higher talent in you know sales and marketing roles as well and some more strategic positions so um, you know we're definitely feeling the challenges of um, the recruitment at the moment um, I do believe it's, it's definitely a candidates market at the moment they can start to pick and choose you know what they want from their workplace you know it's no longer just about salary there's a lot more to it now especially with the opportunity to work remotely um, I think that brings pros and cons for uh, employers. Um, you know, it's, it's good because it, it widens the talent pool if you can allow people to work remotely, um, but it makes onboarding much harder. Um, I think it definitely makes onboarding of uh, grads harder, someone who hasn't had a job previously. Yes. I was, t I was talking um, to somebody at, uh, I think it was PwC yesterday actually, and they were saying, um, you know, the, the majority of their workforce are now working um, remotely, mm. but, um, the, the difficulty is going to, you know, they've had people who were there for 18 months and have never been in the office. Yeah, I, I, anyone from, Jack, from I absolutely workplace. subscribe to that. I had a, a, a lady, a young woman in my office for an interview recently who worked for a big four. I won't name, name them because it'd be embarrassing. She'd never met her, her colleagues and she said, I've had enough of this. I'm working in London in a room. I want to relocate to the north, uh, not, not work in my bedroom isolated. Yeah, I think it's going to be tricky, really, to to understand or as an employer, because it's not going to be a one size fits all model. You know, mm. some some um, workers will love working at home; they'll have found it the way forwards. Um, but then other others won't. Others enjoy the office environment. And my one concern for that is 
um, actually, is it going to create a new form of discrimination within the workplace or is there a risk of that mm. whereby, you know, people feel like they may be missing out on opportunities because someone who's present in the workplace is being given the promotion and they haven't yet they've been doing the same job. You know, it's, it's you know, it probably doesn't happen anymore, but, you know, people talk about the, the, the water cooler breaks. The, I don't know if any offices actually have that anymore, but that's the, the terminology used, people use, isn't it? You know, yeah. if... If one of the clients the, that lost the... money makes water coolers so <laughs> <laughs> that says it all yes yeah you're right the water so, cooler moments are needed because they're, they're, they're the sort of gaps in which a lot of the the fabric of a business is made aren't they let, yeah. let me just just come go on go on to, to back to sim for a moment uh, i was just talking about the young lady from a big four firm who came to see me because she was working in her bedroom in london and she wanted to come back to the north yes now Here's an interesting point because a lot we were talking about the north of England, Yorkshire, northeast, uh, Teesside, and you've got these job vacancies that you're trying to fill on behalf of your various clients. A lot of the people aren't here in the north, but there's a massive diaspora of mm -hmm. northeast talent that left the region of York, less less Yorkshire, but certainly in the northeast that left the region. The sort of from the Alveda Zane Pet Geordie Brickies of the 1980s to the technicians from the mm. pharma companies that have gone uh, far and wide to the managers, to people who were just young people who went to big universities and then never came home. Absolutely. Are this, is this diaspora part of the solution? Can we get them back? I, I absolutely believe it is, Graham. We, we, we're working hard at that. We're sh uh, demonstrating that to our clients. Um, the, the, the environment to do that, it's certainly conducive to it where people that do live ab ab abroad or away from the area um, can in the interim work from home to uh, while they do that relocation to make sure that it is, a, uh, it is working and it is a good fit from, from their point of view and from the, from the client's point of view. Um, but we need to do more to attract them, we need to do, our uh, employers need to be more open to the, the, the fact that uh, we can bring people in from uh, different regions of the country and indeed from uh, from overseas and even some of my big clients they they th themselves have come back to the region because of what this this offers um, you, you, you might have seen it or you might want to talk about um, the cost of living uh, and what that looks like not just in the UK but internationally and what this region can offer is uh, an increased cost of living from, from anybody living in different areas to, to coming back to, uh, to, to the region. And people who lived here before, or have studied here before, uh, remember that. And uh, we, we've got a lot to offer. Okay, Mike, uh, you've heard what Sim has said. Uh, Jack, I think we've lost him on the line. We'll try and get him back. But um, <laughs> if, um, if levelling up has got to happen, we've got to have the people to level up, haven't we? And do you think, do you think this idea of this diaspora coming back is, is something that's a credible thing that the Northeast can offer? Yeah, I think the Northeast has got to be as agile as it's ever been in, it, in its thinking. And when an opportunity presents itself to slightly to restructure, to rethink itself, I think it's always, it's always on the front foot with that sort of thing. And I think there is there's a, a, a sort of a skills bit of turmoil at the moment, if you like. There's a whirlwind going on. People aren't quite sure what they're going to settle. Are they going to settle for, as you say, the office-based environment? Is it the region? Is it the cost of living? It's never been quite so. Uh, there's never been quite so much variation in the things that people are looking for. If we're on our toes, if we can offer the right sort of things, if we can say, yeah, this is the home, as it was ever ever was of, of innovation. 
come here and do it again. I think, Mike, you and I have probably got the longest teeth in this, uh, in this, <laughs> in this panel. We've been around a long time and uh, it is extraordinary, uh, particularly in the northeast context. I know Jack, Jack isn't in the northeast in Yorkshire, but in the northeast context, I can't remember sitting on a panel like this for routinely for months and months and months and having unemployment at 5% is normally being 10 I, I've never come across a situation where a, a member of my staff that today bought a house in uh, near Redcar and ended up in a gazumping battle to get it. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah. And, and I can't yeah. remember a Northern Echo piece which you had on Monday that said there were 80 jobs in the public sector in Darlington that were just going begging and yeah. they, were, they were all paying in the high sort of 20, 30, 40,000 pounds. And this is, the, this is the dream scenario and Ben Houchin yeah. is right to trumpet this. These are the key jobs leading the country, leading the government, helping it to develop itself, helping it to move at the pace it needs to move without needing to move away from this region. Mm. When's that ever happened before? Yeah. It's an astonishing turnaround. You're hearing me talking about Teesside, Jack. Do you want to chip in on where you are? Where are you located and what do you think the uh, environment and business is where you are? Yep, sorry, I, mean, I actually missed a few bits of that due to an internet issue. But um, yeah, um, East Yorkshire, the, um, the the business market is strong at the moment. Um, I think it's very. Um, and where are you the, based, Jack? Where is your business base? Which which town? Where East Yorkshire, so East just Yorkshire. outside of Hull. Outside Hull, yeah. Yeah, and there's definitely a, a drive um, here. Obviously, we're very much um, manufacturing orientated. Um, so we've got a lot of, um, sort of holiday home and uh, caravan companies here, which are obviously in a very positive position at the moment due to the staycations. Um, so, you know, there's a big, big drive there. But then again, they're feeling the pinch of um, recruitment as well. Um, but I definitely think there's a, a significant optimism um, within the region uh, from a sort of economic and business point of view. Well, Jack, I'm sorry we lost you a little bit in the middle, but we've got, we've got to hear about your firm. It's great to see a firm doing so well. All those people on the roll, lots of people interested in using you. That's Lattice Health. Mike Hughes, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Sim, thank you for joining us. That's our first Business Unmuted of 2022. Join us again at the same time next week. Thank you very much.